It's good to have some of you back, though. I've been sick for a while. Good to see uh, the Wycombs with us tonight. I know you guys have really been through it. Uh, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. We're continuing our working through the Sermon on the Mount. This is our 21st lesson as we uh, work through this from Matthew 5. Uh, now we're in chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 5 through 8. And the, the thoughts that we're going to look at tonight is what Jesus teaches here regarding a public and private prayer. Public and private prayer. He says, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. Let's pray. Father, help us tonight as we look at these words of Jesus and as we continue, Lord, just to sit at your feet and to hear uh, your word, I pray for your help. Lord, guide us and help us and instruct us, Lord, on this subject of prayer uh, from the words of Jesus uh, while he was here. And we are so thankful for this instruction. And I pray that, Lord, our hearts would be right before you, that we would, uh, Lord, never pray, Lord, in a manner to be seen of others, uh, to want their praise or adoration. Uh, and we'd also, Lord, that we would not think that we are heard for our many words. Uh, but, Lord, we need sincerity of heart and faith. Uh, so, Lord, help us tonight to just take a moment and reflect upon this and learn from it. In Jesus' name, and amen. I want to I remind us regarding the larger context of this passage as we did last week. Jesus in this chapter has begun to teach on the proper way to do righteous deeds. In verse 1, many translations, uh, many translate that charitable deeds as righteousness in verse 1. Um, and so it seems like Jesus is, getting, is beginning to discuss our righteous things that we might do. And then he goes and he talks about three main things. Three main things. He talks about giving or charitable deeds in verses 2 through 4. He talks about prayer from verses 5 through 14. And he talks about fasting in verses 16 to 18. And Jesus is correcting much of what the Pharisees had taught in chapter 5. He corrected that. And now he's correcting three main public displays of religion. And he keeps saying, don't do like them. Don't do the hypocrites. And so he was, he was correcting their teaching in verse 5. He's correcting their actions and their righteous acts in, here in chapter 6 for much of it. And so we need to learn from this. I don't think any of us here tonight would want a hypocritical, pharisaical religion. And so uh, let's just see what he teaches here. He reveals their hypocrisy by showing that they were doing what they were doing for the purpose to be seen of men. For the purpose to be seen of men. Now Jesus, don't get him wrong, he's not teaching against these three things. He's not teaching against giving or prayer or fasting. But he's obviously 
uh, affirming their practice, for one, by teaching the proper way to do it, but he's correcting how we do it or how they were doing it. Also, we took note in our last lesson that Jesus, in talking about giving and talking about prayer and talk about fasting, mentions the word rewards all three times here in Matthew 5. So there's rewards for those who practice what he's teaching, giving regarding uh, giving and prayer and fasting. And then immediately, it's important to see that the bigger, con the bigger context here, immediately after talking about these three these three things that we can do, he immediately, in verse 19, after talking about those three things, there's rewards for these three things, he says, verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves, what? Treasures on earth. And so there's the famous passage about, you know, not laying up treasures on heaven, but to lay them up on earth. Listen, we can lay up treasures in heaven by, by giving, by our, even our prayers. Say, well, I don't have much to give. Well, you can give what you can, but by prayers and by the act of fasting, God honors that. And I think it's a wonderful thing to see that, that God rewards those three things. And so, uh, so I want to lay up treasures in heaven. Well, give, pray, and fast. There's three solid ways from the words of Jesus to do that. Now, and so know, we, know this, that we can lay up treasures uh, by uh, these things. Now, let's work our way through this here. Uh, first of all, here in verse 5, Jesus says, when you pray, when you pray, when you pray. He didn't say if you pray, but, but when you pray. Just as it was expected last week that we looked at in the giving to do charitable deeds or to give of alms, He says earlier, right, when you do charitable deeds, when you give, uh, when you do this, and so it's a Christian practice. It's what we're going to do. It's what we should do when we pray. Um, what child is he that would not want to talk to their mother or father? I mean, we should want to commune with our Father in heaven. And so Jesus says, when you do this, don't be like the hypocrites. I mean, so this is a great indictment, really, against the Pharisees. Jesus is saying that the religious practice of the Pharisees was one of pretense. And it wasn't real. I mean, they're going through these motions of religion that is honorable, the praying, but he says they're hypocrites. They're hypocrites. In what way are the hypocrites? They're pretending to be one thing that they're not. They're pretending to be super spiritual and talking to God when really they're not. Uh, they, they were pretending to be something that they weren't. They appeared to be godly. They appeared to be holy in so many of their behaviors. Everybody thought these were the men that really walked close to God, but they were not. The Lord is not after pretentious religious exercises that are only concerned with outward appearance. He wants us to pray, but for, and He wants us to do that, but He not, does not want us to pretend. He wants our hearts in it. And He reveals this about them by saying they love to pray standing. Love to pray standing. Now, Jesus is not teaching that it's wrong to stand and to pray. Okay, you have to look at the whole context. We can sit and pray. We can stand and pray. Uh, we can kneel and pray. Proper prayer is not determined by what posture we are in. Jesus isn't teaching against standing. What Jesus is talking about is they're, is they're praying standing in public places so as to be seen. In other words, instead of in public, instead of just offering a prayer up to God, between them and God, and, and somewhat being in a corner, you know, they are standing up and letting everybody know that they're praying. 
Um, I think, you know, it, it's our family practice has been, for as long as I can remember, you know, we pray before we eat. We do that at home. So I think we should do it in public. But I don't, at, when we're at a restaurant, we don't stand up, you know, make sure everybody knows, you know, we're praying. You know, we don't try to draw attention. Usually we're more discreet, you know, when we're in public. We're not trying to draw attention. I think we should still pray in public because we pray in private like that. Uh, but we don't do it to draw attention. And, uh, but they, they weren't doing that. They were trying to draw attention to themselves. And he says, whether they were in a synagogue, a place of worship, the marketplace, or the streets. Um, like Muslims today, they're, they're the practice then of the Jews, and, and at that time, they, they stopped to pray at 9, at noon, and at 3, and no matter where they were. Um, and they somewhat make a spec, made a, they were making a spectacle of it, like Muslims do today. Uh, that's what the, the Jews were doing at that time, from my understanding. And so Jesus doesn't want us to make a public spectacle of prayer. And I think it's important to notice. Um, uh, it's, it's practiced by Muslims in public. In, in some countries, Roman Catholics do the same thing as the Muslims there. Um, so it seems like that Jesus is condemning this, this type of public display of prayer that's really trying to just be seen. And we've got to be careful of that. It had, nothing, it had become nothing but ritualism, ceremonial uh, religion, and a way to impress others by how spiritual they, they appeared. And we just should never do that. Now, so does this mean that Jesus, we have to, okay, now is Jesus condemning all public prayer? I mean, that's a, that's a valid question. Is Jesus condemning all public prayer? I, I do not believe he is at all. Now we see this one by example. Uh, he prayed publicly. Uh, he prayed publicly and he blessed the food publicly. Uh, so Jesus did, he prayed publicly. Um, he prayed at the raising of Lazarus. He prayed at other times publicly. He prayed to his father publicly. Um, he thanked the father publicly for revealing truth to those who were but babes. I mean, he, he prayed publicly. Uh, but Jesus also prayed much in private. If Jesus only prayed like that publicly and didn't pray in private, then, then it would obviously be just a spectacle. Um, and that's one, thing that, that's one thing you can test yourself, say, well, I pray publicly. Well, the question is, do you pray privately? So I believe what Jesus is getting at here, these guys are doing this in public, but not in private. They have a public prayer life. They didn't have a private one because they only did it to be seen of men. And that's a, that's a good thing to even ask yourself, that question. Am I really praying to talk to God? Or am I praying to really be seen of men? Well, do you pray in private? Do you pray in private? Um, it's a good question to ask yourself. We're also given instructions on public prayer from the Apostle Paul by what he wrote to Timothy, who was pastor of Ephesus at the time. While giving instructions on the church services there in 1 Timothy, uh, Paul says, I exhort, first of all, the supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. When you look at the context of Paul to Timothy, he's teaching how to behave himself in the house of God. He put a priority on public prayer. So Jesus is not forbidding public prayer. He's forbidding using prayer as a spectacle to show how spiritual you are and to get the praises of men. I think that prayer can actually be used as, as a sort of ministry uh, when we pray publicly. Uh, but we shouldn't do it for the sake of trying to get the praises of men whatsoever. Uh, I like how Jesus prayed at times. You know, he, he prayed, Lord, 
uh, when he raised Lazarus is obviously that he wanted the Father to do this to be able to, to show others who he was. And so, um, anyhow, the words of Jesus seem clear. He is not condemning public prayer, but is condemning the desire to pray in public in order to be seen. Jesus is not condemning the practice of giving of thanks for food in public. As stated, Jesus did that. However, if we do pray and give thanks for our food in public, we need to make sure that we're doing it in private. In other words, if you're only praying over your food in public and you're not in private, then you're doing it for, for spectacle. If you only give thanks for your food in public and not in private, then your motivation and intention would seem clear. It would then become a hypocritical practice because a hypocrite is only concerned about what other men see and we need to be concerned about trusting God and giving Him thanks. Now there would maybe be some that would maybe look at this and say, well, I want to give thanks for my food in private, but never in public because of what Jesus says here. I think some people actually think that way. Uh, I do not think that would need to be necessary or that it would be a good thing. And unless you're a person who just really struggles with the praise of others, and you know that everyone around you is just going to think you're super spiritual if you pray, and I don't know, maybe, maybe, you need to, maybe you need to just give a silent prayer there without your head, but I don't know um, if you struggle with that, um, if, if you're really struggling with getting glory from others. Um, but you know, in our culture today, though, uh, most of the people in the world are not going to think that, aren't, you're not going to get the praises of men for, for praying publicly. I, I mean, this is where we're so different than them I mean, I mean, they would, wow, look how spiritual and holy and godly these men are. Today, today, people don't see you that way. They see you as, as kooky, as strange, as weird, you know, um, Jesus freaks or, you know, what are you? So it would really be hard to pray in our culture today for the praise of men because you're not going to get it. <laughs> I mean... Unless you're with a whole bunch of Christians and you're not going to get their praise because they do it too, you know. So, <laughs> you know, it's just, I think we should pray publicly. If we pray privately, we should pray publicly and give thanks for our food. I mean, when I was first, first, Christ, first a Christian, I remember when I worked at the hospital, it was such a big step for me. I gave thanks to God in private for my food, I always did. But I remember it was, it was really a big step for me to start giving thanks publicly for my food because I knew the life I'd lived, I knew how I was before, but God had saved me, and I knew, but when I bowed my hand, closed my eyes, eyes were, I could feel the eyes, you know, but I wasn't doing it to get the attention, I did it because I knew God just wanted me to give thanks for my food, and I was only doing it for Him, and you know, sometimes I had to struggle with that at first, um, uh, but, but anyhow, it became a testimony to others that I had, was now serving Jesus, so anyhow, um, next Jesus says, pray in your room, Pray in your room. Um, when you pray, go into your room, shut the door. Jewish homes, I, I find Jewish homes are often equipped, especially there and then. I don't know how much of them are now, are equipped with a special room just to pray in. Um, they actually have a closet, a secret place, whereby they go in and pray. Um, we may not have such a place in our home dedicated just for that, like in the movie The War Room. Uh, but we, we, can, we need to have a private place. We need to have a secret place, a place where we can just pour our hearts out to the Lord, talk to the Lord openly. Uh, and so let me encourage you to do that, to pray along with God. 
No one else around, no one else to see you, no one else to hear you. Do you pray when you're all alone with God? Let me give you just a couple good reasons uh, to pray uh, in your room. This is an evidence of faith. Nobody's watching. Nobody's listening. Nobody can praise you for what you're praying. Nobody can think so great of you. It's just you and God. To, to pray in such a way that no one else will know, no one else will hear, no one else will be aware, it's no doubt exercise faith that we're truly talking to God and God alone. Prayer should be an act of faith. In, in one of the uh, uh, parables of, of the widow, when he kept saying that she that came to the unjust judge, and he said she kept coming, kept coming, and Jesus was teaching that men ought to pray and not to faint. At the end of that, he said this, when nevertheless, when the Son of Man come, will he find faith on the earth? Prayer is an act of faith. Let me tell you, when you're praying alone to God and you just keep talking to Him and you're talking to Him, it's an act of faith. Where is He? Is He hearing you? You know He's hearing you. You're talking to Him and you believe God's hearing you. That is faith to believe uh, that. Uh, and so uh, praying alone in private is a sure indication that you're 100% praying only to be heard of God. I mean... You pray in private, you know you're being heard of God and nobody else. Two, let me encourage you to pray in such a manner because the Father desires it. The Father desires it. And that's an amazing thing to me to think of. Jesus is not just giving instructions on when to pray in private, but He's letting us know the Father wants us to pray. Wants us to pray. He wants us to communicate with Him. He wants us to draw nigh to Him. Listen, it's a relationship between us and the Father. Children should enjoy their Father, right? Well, guess what? Fathers should enjoy their children, right? Does the father enjoy his children? To think, no, to think God the Father would not enjoy his children when they commune with him and sit with him and dine with him, to think that he would not enjoy them, you have a bad image of God. You can get that out of your mind. Yes, God is holy and God is just and God is righteous, but God is our Father. As children, we are in relationship with him. I believe, I, I love my children to call me. I love for them to, to come over to the house. I love for them to talk to me. I love spending time with them. They're my children. I think God wants us to spend time with Him, not simply for our own benefit, but I really believe God our Father enjoys our time with Him. That's a concept, isn't it? Read all the Proverbs that talk about a father rejoices in a child win. A father rejoices in a child win. So many of the Proverbs. And then think about God the Father in those passages. So many of them. Our Father in heaven invites us into himself to come and to sit with him, to commune with all of our heart's desires and express to him, you don't have to pretend with God. He doesn't want you to pretend. That's the problem with the Pharisees. They were pretentious. Go to him with your wishes, desires, your doubts, your concerns, your fears. You might as well tell him it all anyway. He sees in the secret place of our own heart. You might as well speak it out loud in your secret place because... He knows about it anyway. Be open with God. That passage where it talks about you know, coming boldly to the throne of grace. And that word boldly speaks of sometimes, I don't know if we understand, it's not talking about coming to God brazenly. It's talking about coming to God openly, frankly, being upfront. In other words, give it to God openly. He knows it anyway. And we can, we can come with, with confidence. He wants those prayers. He wants, our, he wants the personal praise and the thanksgiving as well. 
So let's pray in private. George Mueller said this, stated that public prayer will never make up for closet communion. I like that. We must start with public prayer. When we learn to pray in our closet, then our Father will reward us openly. Sometimes that's through the joy of what you prayed in private. Listen, you pray something public, you know. I mean, yeah, everybody else might see that, you know, and God might answer that. But to pray something privately, something between just you and God, only you and God know about. And then he answered. He says reward thee openly. I think, that's, I, think that's two, I think there's a twofold reward here. One, I think there's a, there's a reward openly to where you have privately prayed to God for something only you and God know about it. You've talked to him about it. You're trusting him for it. And then, and then you see it happen. You didn't share it with anybody. You didn't tell anybody about it. You didn't do anything to make, even make it happen. You just prayed to God and God answered. That's an open reward right there. It's like out there like, wow, thank you, Lord. But I think there's also rewards in heaven for, for the kind of prayer that honors the Lord. And I don't even know what all that involves, but I'm sure it's treasures that are, are amazing. And we need to think about that. But anyhow, the Lord will show us. I think one of the rewards might just be that the Lord will show us all the prayers that he answered that we didn't see here. Think about how many prayers that you've prayed that you've forgotten all about. If you've been a Christian for any time at all, there's so many prayers you've prayed, you trusted God, you, beseech, you besought the Lord, and you have forgotten everything you've prayed about. I mean, you really have. There's so many things you haven't pr- that you've prayed for that you've forgotten. Some things you might pray for still for years. That's fine. But there's things you've prayed for you've forgotten. Maybe certain people in a certain place, and you don't even know them anymore. You're not even aware of them anymore, where their life's at, what they're doing. There might be people on the other side of the world you're praying for because you are aware of them, missionaries that you pray for. There might be people you went to school with, you think about them, you pray for them. Lord, please work in their life right now and bless them. Show yourself to them today. There might be a day, there literally may be a day, I believe this all in my heart, there's going, that there will be a day when we'll stand before the Lord and there's going to be occasions when the Lord is going to pull us aside and say, remember when you prayed for this person? You hadn't seen them in 20 years. Let me tell you what I did that day. Folks, that's an open reward, and that would be better than any sort of treasure that God could give us other than, than to see our prayers answered. We're going to be amazed when we get to heaven and see some of that, the effects of prayer. And then lastly, verse 7, no vain repetitions. No vain repetitions. Um, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. Um, I, I looked up, there, there was actually a lot of practice from Jewish, or teachings from Jewish rabbis that, that said whoever is long in prayer is heard. They had a lot of little quips and sayings like that that really promoted lengthy prayers. Um, it seems to me that they were repeating themselves so that they could pray long. You know, in other words, they didn't have a whole lot to pray about, so let's get repeating the same thing over and over and over again. There was no real communication there going on. Yeah, like, it's like being in a conversation with, your, with somebody and you keep saying the same phrase over and over and over. Sooner or later, you're like, I think, I think something's wrong, you know? I mean, really. God wants us to communicate with Him, to talk with Him. Now, there's nothing wrong with earnest, sincere prayer that sometimes may repeat a request. I think that's taught in the Word of God. But there's a difference between that and just vain repetitions over and over and over again that Jesus is talking about. Um, 
So is Jesus teaching that it's, it's wrong to repeat a request? No, he doesn't. One, by example. Did he repeat requests? He did, didn't he? At the Garden of Gethsemane, three times. He went and prayed to the Father. Uh, did Paul repeat a request? Yes, he did in 2 Corinthians. He repeated requests. But it's interesting to me that in both of those cases, what they requested, they didn't get. They didn't get. But uh, we learn from those prayers two wonderful truths, from the prayer of Jesus in Gethsemane and the prayer of the Apostle Paul who repeated the same things. We get two great truths out of that. One, we should desire God's will to be done above ours. Two, even if we do not get what we ask for, God's grace will always be sufficient. Let me tell you what, even in your unanswered prayers, God is going to teach you something very valuable. Something probably more valuable than what you asked for. Now, a passage that teaches to us to continually bring a request to the Lord in prayer would be found from the teaching of Jesus in Luke 11, 1 through 8. I'm not have time to turn there, but it's where the man goes. He has a friend. He goes to another friend, and he says, hey, help me out. I need to give them something to eat, and, he's, and he just begs and pleads, and he helps him. Another one we already referred to, the, 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 the widow that goes to the unjust judge, and he says, I'm going to give to her because she wearies me for her continual coming. And, and the Lord says, shall not our father be better than that? And so the Lord teaches a continual coming to him, a continual pleading. So, but that's different than just praying and saying the same phrase over and over and over and over and over and over again, um, and which is what was the practice. And so Jesus is correcting some of those practices of that time. Very openly, praying publicly to be seen of men, and to, to appear even more righteous, they would repeat the same phrases over and over, thinking that they would be, uh, through the repeating of phrases, that God would eventually hear them. There's no heart in that type of request. This type of praying resembles pagan practices. It's seen in 1 Kings 18, when the false prophets of Baal cry out for hours, O Baal, hear us. O Baal, hear us. O Baal, hear us. For hours upon hours. We see this type of uh, repetition found in Acts 19 when the people of Ephesus cried out for two hours, great is Diana of the Ephesians. For two hours they cried that out, great is the Diana of Ephesians. Some repetition in prayer and praise can be good. Some of the psalmists, I, some of the verses in Psalms, they might repeat a phrase three or four times, five times. Maybe I think there's one psalm that is about five or six times. But that's not that many. <laughs> you can read those verses in 10 seconds. Um, praying long does not make us somehow heard better, right? Uh, let us never think that we'll be heard for our much speaking. Well, if I just say this enough, I just say the same thing over and over and over again, some kind of magic formula, God's going to do it. A brief, sincere, heartfelt prayer that trusts the Lord with only a few words may be all the Lord needs to grant our request. Earnestness does not have to express itself through multitude of words. Jesus is prohibiting mindless, mechanical repetition, not the earnest repetition that flows from an imploring heart. Father, I pray that you'd use this lesson, teach us how to pray, and teach us that we can pray to you as our Father, that you desire us to pray. Help us to know that we're not heard for a multitude of words. But help us, Lord, to surrender to your will, knowing your grace is sufficient. And let us come earnestly, desiring to commune with you, laying our requests and supplications before you, knowing that through Jesus Christ, our Savior, we can come boldly 
to the throne of grace where we can find help in time of need. Thank you for the privilege of prayer. Help us never pray in a manner so as to get the praises of men or to do anything for the praise of men. Help us, Lord, to always strive for your glory and your glory alone. Help us to focus, Lord, on the things here in Matthew, to be good givers, to be prayer warriors, to fast and to seek you diligently, knowing that there are rewards found in these practices, Lord, as we faithfully serve you, that cannot be measured in this world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.